Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes Podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth Allen, and that is the man himself, Mr. Tyler Guthrie. We're back! Yeah, I finally got all my stuff moved into the new apartment. Um, I'm living up here in Michigan City now, so three and a half hour move was not the most fun thing in the world, so we decided to not do a podcast last week because there was probably no way I was going to be able to get it done, but we're back this week, and now we got two weeks of stuff to cover. Yes, so now that everyone knows where you live, they can go stalk you now. I'm not that interesting. No, he's really not. It wouldn't be worth your time. No. Probably more worth your time than stalking me, but, you know. Yeah, at least if you stalk Garth, you can go find a whole bedroom full of diecast, but... They don't even need to go to the bedroom. Look behind me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So, quite the weekend of racing this weekend. Actually, Saturday was really busy with two ARCA races, an Xfinity race, and then Cup race on Sunday. We didn't have any IndyCar F1 to speak of, but we had a lot going on between Talladega and Kern County this weekend, of which I don't know how much of that you actually saw. Uh, I watched most of the Xfinity race and pretty much all the Cup race, but enough of the Cup race to know that the current package for Super Speedways is absolutely terrible. Yeah, I felt like that race was really a waste of the first 400 miles. Like, that could have been a 100-mile race and really wouldn't have changed anything other than not wasting two and a half hours, three hours of our time. Which brings me back to my point that I've made several times about how NASCAR races are way too long. See, but here's the problem you run into with that. Let's say you shorten the Talladega race to 100 miles, to, to the only part of it that was actually even halfway interesting. How how long do you make Xfinity and truck races at that point, or ARCA races? Make them all the same length. Then what's the difference? What are you moving up to when you move from trucks to Xfinity to Cup? What are you moving to if it's all the same races? Honestly, I've felt that there's not a whole lot to move up to other than just money and status between the Xfinity Cup Series for quite a bit. The Xfinity cars are just as powerful and just as fast as the Cup cars. Now, I mean, the cup cars are a different chassis and everything, but recently the Xfinity and cup cars, if you if you didn't know much about NASCAR and you just turned on an Xfinity race, you'd be like, oh, this is the cup series. And you wouldn't know until they said something about it not being the cup series because they are so close to being the same thing. I mean, yes and no. I, I, I slightly disagree from that because... A lot of the Xfinity cars race much differently than the Cup cars do right now. Like, you put the Xfinity car on the same track as a Cup car right now, the Xfinity race is going to be vastly different than the Cup race in terms of how the car races and how exciting it's going to be. Nine times out of ten right now, the Xfinity race is more exciting than the Cup race because the Xfinity car races better than the current Cup car. Especially with the new next-gen cup car, but in the Gen 6 era, towards the end of it, you could probably fool somebody if you just showed them Xfinity mm-hmm. cup races. You wouldn't really be able to tell. And I think it's interesting now that you have the dynamic between the Xfinity and the cup races, that they're such different styles of races between the two cars. But I do think it's quite a shame that you watch the Xfinity race on Saturday, and it's always better than the cup race on Sunday, and it's just kind of... The Xfinity series is much more fun to watch right now, and that's just kind of disappointing in my opinion. I mean, it is a shame, but I don't know that that's much different than really any other sport. I mean, look at, let's take basketball, for example. I don't know that there's many people that would disagree that college basketball is generally more exciting than watching the NBA. And the reason for that is the players in college are trying to prove something and get that shot at the NBA. That's not fully the reason that Xfinity is more exciting than Cup, but it is part of the reason, because those Xfinity drivers are out there trying to prove something. So, you're going to have that to an extent no matter what, just because of what the Xfinity series is compared to what the Cup series is. Right. And the current playoff format doesn't really do anything to mitigate that, because once you win, you don't really have to try the rest of the season unless you want to get your stage points and all that. It's just kind of, I don't know, I think it makes for a bad racing product in the middle of the season, and 
I mean, sure, it makes it so you have a whole bunch of Game 7 moments or whatever NASCAR tries to promote at the end of the season, but middle season just kind of sucks. And speaking of NASCAR promotions, can we please quit with the Chase Elliott returns crap? He returned last week at Martinsville, and there were still ads about his coming back at Talladega. Really? Okay, so I, I do agree. The, the, the Chase Elliott returns shit is kind of annoying, but... If you look at the ratings from the past two weeks, ratings are much higher now that he's back. So there was a noticeable decrease in ratings when he was gone. Whether that was, whether that should have happened or not, or what the reason for that is, is a completely different story. But there legitimately was a distinct drop in ratings when he was gone. So yeah, if you're NASCAR, you're going to be promoting the hell out of that going, hey, Chase is back. Come watch us again. We're relevant again. I, I hate fair weather fans. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say I hate fans of anything that we're interested in, but it's like the same thing. It's like, I don't know, fair weather football fans or like, I don't know, even going out on a different limb. People only go to church like on Easter and Christmas, all that kind of stuff. It's like, do you really care or is it just, because you care about one specific thing. And that's just kind of how I feel about the whole Chase Elliott ratings dropping thing. It's like, if you're not watching a sport because of one driver, really, do you like the sport or do you just like the guy? See, and that's one thing I've never understood about certain fans. And, and I'm not trying to diss anybody here, but I've never understood how you can get so wrapped up in one driver or one player or one team to the point where you just don't care about the sport if they're not involved. So let's, for example, when I was growing up, I was a big Dale Jarrett fan. When Dale Jarrett wrecked or lost contention for the championship or whatever, I didn't stop watching. I still enjoyed watching the racing. Even if my favorite driver wasn't involved in racing for the win or racing for the championship, I still wanted to see how the race played out because I love the sport and I want to see it. And I, I've never understood this whole, well, I'm a Chase Elliott fan, so he's he's out injured. I, I don't need to watch it. I don't care about it anymore. Like, I've never understood that. You either like the sport or you don't like the sport. Right. I, I mean, I get it, like, with sports that like stick and ball sports you know like if your team's not on you're probably not gonna watch unless you're interested in like the whole series but i don't know it it just bugs me to think that there's probably some legitimacy to chase elliott being hurt and not racing and ratings dropping that significantly but i mean i would get it if it was down like a percent or two like sure okay that makes sense but there were pretty drastic drops in the ratings. Mm -hmm. And then they just pop straight back up after he comes back. And he's not even competitive. Yeah. I mean, he led some laps at Talladega, but at Martinsville, it was, like, kind of embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, he somehow made his way into the top ten at the end of Martinsville, but most of the time he was back around 20th. And then Talladega, I mean, he's in a Hendrick car at Talladega. Of course, he's going to be up near the front, especially with this current package. When track position is so key, it's almost hard to lose track position unless you're really trying to mm -hmm. until the very end because it's just two single file lanes. There's not a lot of passing. Just stay in your lane, and unless somebody bobbles, you're going to be in about the same spot most of the time. Yeah, so, I mean, cars could get runs and everything, but for the most part, everybody's staying about the same distance away from the car in front of them, so you couldn't hop between lanes and stuff like you used to be able to. It was just pretty static, just two lines going around the track for 200 well, laps. See, and that's the problem, though, is people weren't getting runs. And that's the problem with this package, is you can't get a run. Like, they were trying to make that third lane work just so something could happen, and it would work for a minute, and then it just fizzled out after a couple laps, and that's all it could do. And the, the two single-file lanes really never got a lot of headway on each other, so it was just kind of a single file pay or a double file pace lap for 188 laps or whatever it was um it that's the problem with this current package is you can't get runs very easily like 
You don't want them to be able to get runs too easily, but at the same time, you want them to be able to get runs and make passes and make more than two lanes that are locked together and can't move past each other. And that's all this current package is, is it's just a double file pace lap for until like two laps to go when everybody starts trying to make something happen and then all hell breaks loose. But that's that's it. That's when- all you get. I don't think it helps that with modern plate racing, it's just kind of waiting to see if you can avoid the crash that's inevitably going to happen. And I mean, if you look at it this way, of course the drivers don't want to take chances and make a third lane in the middle of the race. They need to have their car there at the end of the race. And I just think it sucks that plate racing has gone into this. Be conservative for 180 laps and then the last several then try to do something because it just... There's nothing fun to watch from, like, lap one to lap 150, and then it's kind of who's going to pop out and make a difference at the end, and inevitably you get one guy coming around the tri-oval and nobody's anywhere near him because they can't get a run. And it, it goes back to, like, people think, some people think of NASCAR just being like, ooh, everybody just watches for the crashes and stuff, and that's what super speedways are at this point. Daytona and Talladega, until somebody wrecks, there is no reason to watch the race. At this point, I'm really not, and I'm, this is a hot take right here, at this point, I'm not even sure why we're at Daytona and Talladega. There's no point in these races. There's yeah. absolutely no point in them. We could leave them off the schedule and honestly, it would probably make the schedule better right now. I just, I, and even when, see, here's the thing. Even when the racing is decent, is it worth it? Because we have all these big wrecks. We have the possibility of people getting hurt or killed. Everybody gets races. tore up. Yeah. Is it worth it? I, at this point, I'm not even sure these races are worth it, even if we can make them good again. And I know we'll never get Daytona and Talladega off the schedule, and and that's not what I'm necessarily advocating for. But I just I'm not sure if they're worth it anymore. If they're worth having these races on the schedule, especially when this is what they are. Yeah, and I mean I hate to kind of be one of those this sucks in NASCAR kind of deal, but I mean you got people complaining about road course races, and they show up the Road America, and it's a or not Road America. Um, Circuit of the Americas, and it's like a pretty good race. Road America was awesome last year when they went. Chicago Street Course is going to be probably terrible because it's NASCAR Cup cars on a road course Mm -hmm. or a street course. But I just think that the road course racing recently has actually been fairly decent. And then you go to the super speedway races and everybody complains about the road course and they go to the super speedway. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Talladega. Woo, it's so fun. How is it fun? You're watching See, I, Cars Wreck. If you want to watch Cars Wreck, go to your local demolition derby. I'm sorry. I think at this point, people have too many member berries going on at Daytona and Talladega, and they remember when Daytona and Talladega were exciting, so they just get real excited for it, and they're like, yeah, Daytona and Talladega! And then it gets to be the race, and they're like, this isn't what I remembered. This isn't good anymore. Yeah, and I'm... I'm interested to see what the Jeff Gluck poll is this week on if it was a good race or not. Isn't that already out? Doesn't he put that out right after the race? Is it? I don't know. I don't even we'll know. I, I don't even think TV ratings are out yet. I thought those came out on like Tuesday or something. They do. But I'm pretty sure he puts the poll out right after the race. Dude, Twitter's so weird anymore anyway. Dude, Twitter sucks now. It really does. Two-thirds say it was a good race. How? It's cur- with with 17,000 votes currently, 67% said yes, it was a good race. How? What, what race were they watching? Right? They watched the last 10 laps is what it was. I mean, to be Every- fair, that's kind of what I did, but... See, I could go into this weekend knowing damn well I didn't have to even watch the first three quarters of the race. I could tune in for the last, I don't know, 20, 10, 20 laps and know everything that's going to happen. You come in the last 10 laps, look at the leaderboard, see who's out, and be like, oh, well, there was a big wreck earlier. Mm -hmm. Watch the big wreck that inevitably happens on the last lap, and then there's your Daytona Talladega experience. And it takes, like, very little skill to win these races anymore. 
I mean, yeah. some people are really good at plate races just because they know how the draft works and how to get a run and all that kind of stuff. But still, you got like a 50-50 shot of getting wrecked or not. And in the Xfinity race, what, they started with 38, 40 cars and ended the race with like less than 20 that were still able to race? That's not fun. Well, okay, so the Xfinity race, the racing itself was better than the Cup race. They it, had a lot more. They had a lot more wrecks, which is a product of the racing being better. But because um, I don't, I think that's just you have to have. If you have one, you have to have the other at Daytona and Talladega. If you've got good racing, you're going to have a lot of wrecks. If you don't have good racing, probably not going to be many wrecks because nothing's happening. Right. So it's a catch twenty two. I don't know if there's any way to avoid that, but yes, absolutely, the Xfinity race was a better race. The plate races are just stupid, and at Xfinity you get Jeb Burton winning his second race ever. It's his second both, race both win. Which are at yeah, yeah, and it's like, I mean, I don't have anything against Jeb Burton, but you have these people that only win on plate races, and it's like, that's not actually. a new phenomenon, though. No, like, it's not. There's drivers back in the 80s that have their one and only win in Talladega. Oh, I know. And it's bugged me since I started watching NASCAR. These plate races are such stupidly based on luck. I mean, you just foot well, flat to the floor the entire race. And, I mean, I, I get there's some skill that goes into it. But unless you're, like, actively paying attention, it's like, that looks ridiculously easy. And I know it's not. Yeah. But it's so boring to watch, especially with the new package, and the cars aren't moving at all. And when they do, they just go flying straight in the wall. And you get Kyle Larson's car, it just gets a big old hole in the side of it. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was that was crazy. And I don't want to blame Ryan Priest for that at all. But that was I watched that replay, the in car Ryan Priest when he gassed it up, and then Larson just comes out of nowhere and he t bones him in the passenger side. Yeah. That was a hit. Uh-huh. I I felt that just watching the, the in-car camera. That was crazy. Yeah, I, I looked up, like, because I was watching some other part of the crash when mm-hmm. it happened live, and I just looked up and saw Kyle Larson spin towards the top of the track, and I was like, ooh, that's not good. And, yeah. And Priest just T-boned the crap out of him. Did you see how much Priest moved in the seat? Mm-hmm. That's like... We're going to get somebody hurt with this car. Well, I mean, yeah. we already did. We got Kurt Busch to freaking retire because he got a concussion. Well, and he wasn't the only one. Bowman was out multiple races last year with a concussion, too. So, yeah. and I, have I think it's like... unacceptable to have race cars giving drivers concussions in 2023. I mean, mm-hmm. I would understand it 20-something years ago, but with the technologies and advancements we've had in safety recently, it there's no excuse for this. We don't get people hurt in Xfinity cars, and then the cup cars are beating the crap out of people. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, we don't get them hurt in Xfinity cars, but there was Jordan Anderson's big fireball from Talladega last year that basically ended his driving career. So oh, it's, I mean, it's not just the cup cars. Um, yeah, I mean... I don't know what else we can do, but it's just, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. We shouldn't be having these drivers getting hurt in the modern age. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. And and I used to love this racing and, and granted the racing at Daytona and Talladega was a lot better 10, 15, 20 years ago, but I've, I've gotten to the point where I just, I don't know if it's worth having these races on the schedule. I mean, even if they can get back to the point where they're super exciting races, is it really worth it to put these drivers in this much danger? And especially when the racing's not even that good to begin with, is it really worth it to put them in that kind of danger and to let the fans sit there and be bored for three hours, just for 30 minutes of excitement with the final 10 laps and three overtimes. Honestly, I mean, if I was a team and I was locked into the playoffs, I'd show up to Daytona, Talladega, and start and park. I don't think they're allowed to start and park anymore. I may be yeah, wrong. Yeah, you, you can break something. That. Well, yeah. I'm pretty sure they double-check on that, though. Like, whatever your reason is, they double-check that that actually happened. 
You can't. Sure, you can't. I'm sure you could figure it out. It's not like back in the day when you could park the car and the reason given was vibration. <laughs> that that was a legit reason hey, given man. for back in the day. Hey man, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's just did what you do, ride in the back and just kind of take a vacation for three and a half hours, and then then inevitably go into overtime because we've done that like every race this year, which is really starting to get old. Yeah. It is. And and we talked about this after, like, race two or three, where it feels like these NASCAR Heat 5 scripted cautions with, like, five laps to go to make it be an overtime every week. And and I'm not trying to say NASCAR is scripted by any means, which because I'm not. I know they're not. But um, phantom debris cautions are kind of scripted. Yeah, that is. That is something. You'll get like that little piece of trash that's been on the side of the track for the last 20, 30 laps. And like five to go. They're like, oh, no, we got to throw a yellow for that to make it interesting. I don't know. Since I mean, since we've got stage break cautions, that doesn't really happen anymore anyway. But Arca still does that sometimes, which (laughs) really gets on my nerves because Arca doesn't have stage breaks. So they've got to. They've got to make their races with two competitive cars exciting somehow. <laughs> uh, we love Arca, even though I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. I actually completely forgot that Arca was racing this weekend until yeah. you texted me about it mid-race. Yeah. I love Arca, even if Arca doesn't love me back anymore. Arca doesn't love anybody. Arca doesn't even love Arca. Well, <laughs> depends who you ask. I don't know. Probably yeah, with Arca is everybody in Arca would rather be somewhere other than Arca. They're just in Arca because they can't be somewhere other than Arca. Arca's going to love that line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Make it so that your races actually pay enough to even be affordable to race. And then maybe you'll get some teams that actually want to just, you know, run a racing series and are happy doing Arca instead of having to do Arca to get their licenses to do something else. See, and that's why they got rid of the Sioux Chief Showdown this year, was to disperse that money elsewhere. And from what I've heard... well. Right. From what I've heard, it still doesn't make it worth it. It makes it better, but still not worth it. Um, I don't know. But there were two ARCA races this weekend. Um, And while... Uh, the 06 car may not have been at Talladega. He apparently was there in spirit because we had two people trying to pretend they were A.J. Moyer. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know what happened in that race. It felt like we were back to ARCA 10, 15 years ago when you see those compilations of ARCA races and people just like, the ARCA break compilations or people just doing stupid stuff that you're like, why are they even on the track? This felt like one of those races. Because we want everybody to race. Yeah, exactly. We, we we can't turn anybody away. If they want to race with us, they can race with us. Unless okay, you're, well, you're unless you're under eighteen, thing. unless you're under eighteen and it's super speedway, and it's like mm-hmm. only people under eighteen are stupid and cause accidents. So yeah, right. Which is I don't know that that's another one of those rules. It's like, oh, sorry, you're seventeen and three hundred sixty four days old. So tough luck. Yeah. But this other guy, it's like. 18 in a day, he's fine. Or this guy that's like mid-50s that just turned left on the backstretch and wrecked the guy next to him for no reason. (laughs) I won't name names. I'm trying to cut short the uh, about Arca because we do that like every week even when Arca's not racing. (laughs) At this point, that's my shtick. That's the only thing I've got at this point. All right, we're going to try to promote IndyCar here for a little bit. Did you actually get to watch Long Beach? Yes. Yes, I Well, yes, I watched the replay of it. Okay, so since it was on at the exact same time as NASCAR, <laughs> no, I, I had both tabs open with the sound on for the NASCAR race, and I would flip over to IndyCar on commercial breaks. And then I went back on Monday and watched the full replay of Long Beach. So, Long Beach has always been a fairly good race for IndyCar, I think. It's it's a fairly good track for IndyCars to be able to pass and everything on. But, I mean, obviously the start of the race was a little bit wacky. Like, 
Long Beach normally does. They can't go too wide in the last corner, which I, I wish they would find a way to like cut them through the pit lane or something to actually get the start of the race or do standing starts. But, uh, yeah, so Kyle Kirkwood in his first pole position kind of really, really screwed up the start of the race. Connor Daly was talking about it in his podcast. He was, like, in turn nine or something on, like, an 11-turn track, and the race was already great. And he's like, I still have two more turns to go before I even get to the front straight. Yeah. I wish I wish they could get that changed around a little bit. I wish the Meyer Shank cars could remember how to race also because – they were fairly okay last year, and I, I don't get what Simon Pagano's deal is. I thought Meyer Shank was going to be a lot better than this, and he was really good in Penske equipment and just not showing it in the Meyer Shank cards. I guess we'll see how they do it in Indianapolis because they've always been fairly quick at the 500 and on the road course there too. But yeah, I mean, Elio Cashnevis is back full time again, and it's just kind of meh. I don't know. Given that I didn't really watch last year, I don't have much to compare to for Meyer Shank, but um, I did like that Elio was back, but given that he's run a total of, what, maybe four laps so far this season, um, haven't seen much out of him. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know what the deal is at the Meyer Shank cards, because Elio and Pagina are both very good drivers and have been for a long time in IndyCar, and they have a technical alliance with Andretti and all that, and they were kind of on the up and up for a while, and now they're just kind of stalled out. Their IMSA program's still doing pretty well, but the IndyCar side is suffering a little bit. But uh, Kyle Kirkwood got his first win of the season and his career, and personally, I think it's going to be the first of many. Uh, it was alluded to a little bit in the broadcast, but they Andretti kind of loaned Kirkwood to A.J. Foyt, last year and honestly i think it's one of the smartest business moves that's been made in indycar in a while because andretti had four cars last year that were competitive and they because kirkwood took over rossi's spot and foyt didn't have any drivers that he could pay because they're running out of money at the foyt team so andretti just let them borrow Kirkwood, and that kind of got out all the rookie bugs from Kirkwood, gave him some in-car experience, gave him experience at all of the tracks that IndyCar races at on a consistent basis, because the Indy Light Series doesn't go to everything, which I think is weird. But it really helped shake out the cobwebs for Kirkwood and helped him get ready for IndyCar. And the point cards are much slower than in the Andretti cars, and... Being that mid-pack helps you with your racecraft at these guys, too. And I just think Kirkwood's going to have a very long and very successful career in IndyCar. You know what? After seeing what I saw at Long Beach, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, he pretty much dominated that race and was easily the fastest car there. So, yeah, I I was very surprised. I didn't know that much about him before then. Honestly, I wasn't really sure if he was very good or or what to even think about him. I wasn't sure on why Andretti had picked him, but now I'm a little more clear on that. Yeah, he's been in the Andretti kind of umbrella for a while, and they were just waiting for the right moment to put him in IndyCar. I, I think they've got probably the best version of Kyle Kirkwood, and along with Roman Grosjean, who's been running in the top five for like most of the race and all three races this year. I mean, the first two, he... The first two, he got crashed out of the top five, and the first race of the season, he got crashed out while racing for the lead. So mm -hmm. he's just—he's really fast and he's really good in these Indy cars. And yeah, I think it's just a matter of time until he finally gets a win. We'll see. Uh, he might go for the win here at the Indy Road Course uh, next couple of weeks. But yeah, Andretti doing well. Uh, they always do well on the street courses, but. I think McLaren's going to have a good weekend this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised Grosjean hasn't won a race yet. He's been so close a lot so far. Uh, and I'm sure that win is right around the corner. He's been knocking on the door literally, like you said, every race so far this year. So I think it's going to come sooner rather than later. Maybe he wins the 500. 
yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, we'll probably try to do some more focused 500 stuff. I'm going to try to get some templates together and try to maybe do like a 500 only episode in the middle of a week sometime. But yeah, we uh, confirmed 34 entries for the 500 this year. So we get to have one car go home on bump day. RC Anderson is the 34th entry with, uh, I forget what, Able Motorsports, the new team that they're starting up, which I hate that they had to send one car home. That kind of sucks to be that guy. But Bump Day makes the 500 so much more interesting. Mm -hmm. You get a whole week of practice just to figure out who's going to even be able to be in the race. And you get a couple days of practice to see who's going to have the fastest race car. And I don't know. I love the month of May. And I think it's good to have the traditions back of Bump Day. And I really like the Indy Grand Prix as a new tradition that started in 2014 and it's fun. You get to see both arrow kits at the Indy car at the same place in the same month. And it's just even more to celebrate in Indianapolis. I hate that they go back there again later in the season, but I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. Um, I really like that the, the GP is, is in May as well. Although, I feel like I heard a rumor recently that that was going to go away soon and that they were going to keep the, the NASCAR weekend. Maybe, I, I I don't know, you would probably know better than I would, but I feel like I heard that somewhere recently. Yeah, they've been trying to get rid of the GP ever since it started, kind of on and off. It's like, this is a great idea, this is a terrible idea, and they just keep changing it every year. But I guess one of the most recent rumors I've been hearing is that NASCAR is going to go back to the Oval for the mm-hmm. Cup Series, and they're going to just remove that Harvest Grand Prix weekend from IndyCar, which I hope we find another track, <clears throat> Milwaukee, and uh, go somewhere else that weekend. But, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think it definitely needs to be an oval, especially after what we saw at Texas. They definitely, I mean, we need multiple ovals on the IndyCar schedule if that's what we're going to get, like like what we got at Texas. So Yeah, we only yeah. have four now. Yeah. No, Milwaukee, Richmond, Homestead, bring them all back. But even throw on some tracks that they haven't been to. Send them to Charlotte. I want to see IndyCar. Oh, my God, that would be so cool. Coke 600 weekend. I've actually thought about, well, Coke 600 weekend is Indianapolis 500 weekend. Oh, wait, yeah, never mind. Okay. (laughs) Can't can't do that one. (laughs) Send them to the Roval. They actually, they had uh, New Garden test IndyCars on the Roval. Yeah, last year that, yeah. or the year before. Yeah. But I'd I'd be interested to see how that would go. I don't mm-hmm. know if that'd be a good track for them or not. Only one Here way to find out. out. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> uh, I, I wish they'd go back to problem. I wish they'd go back to Nashville too. Yeah. The Nashville street course is kind of cool, but I would much rather have Nashville Oval. I feel like doesn't Nashville road street course just turn into a show though and, and then what's, yeah it, both what's years it's year? both years it's just turned into an absolute show yeah. i mean the first year they had it what marcus erickson like jumped over a car in like the first 10 laps and came back mm-hmm. to win the race and it's just kind of like i guess <laughs> i didn't know this turned into rallycross yeah it's just kind of i mean it's a cool track it's a good idea but no, i don't know and then now we don't have Belle Isle anymore because Detroit is stupid. And now yeah. we're doing like, we don't want to block Belle Isle anymore. So we're going to go to downtown Detroit because that's better. Yeah, I love all the people that are complaining about NASCAR going to downtown Chicago. And oh, they're going to get shot at. No, it's so dangerous. But nobody's complaining about going to downtown Detroit. Yeah, I would argue Detroit's just as bad or worse than Chicago. But I. Honestly, I kind of hope that the Chicago street course thing falls through on NASCAR mm-hmm. because yeah, there's no way this is going to be a good race. Oh, I've already heard it's off the schedule for next year. I don't that know how much credibility there is to that, but yeah, I've I've heard that it's already gone. This is a one and done. Well, I know the Chicago City Council is like not thrilled about it in the slightest. And yeah. it's just kind of the city doesn't want it to be there. The people that live there don't want it to be there. 
nobody in the NASCAR world seems to be super thrilled about it. Mm-hmm. And when we went to Road America, that was a really good race. And Road America, like, that's 4th of July weekend that we're going to this race. Mm-hmm. Road America is like the coolest American campground spot for 4th of July weekend. And then instead yeah. we're going to go to Chicago. I mean, really? <laughs> See, what I, I don't understand... NASCAR's whole reasoning behind the Chicago street course was they want to be in the Chicago market. Well, newsflash, you have a track in the Chicago market that races really well that you stopped going to a few years ago that you still own, haven't done nothing to it, and it's got racing coming back to it this year. So why are we not in Joliet? Yeah, and I mean, that track is... Obviously, still there. Raced pretty well the last time we were there, and we just designed a new car to do mm-hmm. better on mile and a half tracks. Even though the Gen Six car did really well at that track, I thought, mm-hmm. and the, the one mile and a half it did well at. Yeah, I feel like if Chicagoland never did well in NASCAR's eyes, as far as the Chicago market, you're never going to get a street course to do well. Nobody wants it to be there. Well, what they're hoping for is the point of most street races is not necessarily for good racing. It's just to be an event. Like, they've got all these concerts planned around it. They just want it to be an event. They want people to come out to the event, to the concert, to whatever, and then stay for the race. That's what yeah. they want. And they it Which, it as, a fan of the, them. as a fan of the sport, just sucks. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, I get it, and I know they want to promote but I just want to watch a good race. I don't. I don't want to go to a concert. If I want to go to a concert, I'm going to go to a concert. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go to a concert and then go to a race. And to make it even worse, we were just at Road America for this weekend of race for the Fourth of July weekend. That's like two hours from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Really? <laughs> Speaking of concerts. Um... They had Cole Swindell at Talladega this weekend, which is is cool, I guess. Cole Swindell's okay. Yeah. What I, what I what I don't understand, I found this out, and I I never realized this. How have they, if they're going to have concerts at Talladega, how have they never had Eric Church come down and sing Talladega? It's a good question. Have they not done that? No, I no, I found that out this weekend. They've never had Eric Church do a concert at Talladega. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like you would think that would be the one song they br- you'd think they'd bring him back every year just to sing that one song. The two sides of NASCAR advertising. <laughs> We've got rappers showing up to the uh clash in LA and we're going to a Chicago street course, but we're not rappers gonna have that aren't even relevant anymore. Yeah. And we're not even gonna have Eric Church sing Talladega at Talladega. Yeah. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I I really sometimes don't get NASCAR's advertising or marketing or what they're thinking when they make some of these decisions, which it's okay. IndyCar signed all their licenses away for a video game from motorsport games. It's never going to come out. Speaking of which, did you see the CEO resigned from motorsport games this week? I did not. Uh, I did see a quote from Mark Miles from IndyCar that says that they saw some documents about motorsport games that makes them believe that they'll be able to turn it around and get the game out. Like, yeah, I saw that. I, no, would ra- I would legitimately rather break out my original Xbox and get like the IndyCar 2004 game and play that than play whatever the f- motorsports games is going to come out with. Right. Yeah, I... I- other than the fact that they're just making money off of it, I don't understand the thought process there. They should have just restructured their iRacing thing and gotten more money out of that. Or, like, I don't know. Like, all their drivers play, well, okay, get on iRacing and race IndyCars and all this other stuff, and instead they're just going to sign the rights away to this game that... A, nobody's going to play anyway. B, there's no way you're going to be able to get your drivers involved in this. And C, it's just going to suck because look at the other games they've made recently. All of the NASCAR games for motorsport games have been completely awful. You mean the one game? The one, yeah, because they haven't even been able to make the other ones. Mm -hmm. Well, they're supposed to do one for 
the first the, season of the next gen car and instead they just added a DLC into the yeah. previous game. So they've they put out their one NASCAR game. At this point, technically that this year should be the third NASCAR game that they've put out. And they've only put out one and they're not even putting out one again this year. They have the IndyCar license, they're supposed to do that. They have the British Touring Car license, so they, they're supposed to be doing British Touring Car, and they have the license for the 24-hour Le Mans, so they're supposed to be putting out a game for that, too. If you can't make a NASCAR game, you're not going to make any games for anybody else. Nope. Especially, Especially when you've already got the game made. Even if it was trash, you've already got the game made. <laughs> oh, and everybody accepted Heat 4, and that's like one of the worst racing games I've played recently. As bad as Heat 4 is, it's the best NASCAR game since EA. I agree, but the the bar you're setting there is... Oh, like, it, it's very low, I agree. That, that bar is six foot underground, buddy. <laughs> the thing with the Heat games was, though, they did improve. Every year, they did get better. Heat yeah, 4 just, was the best of the Heat games, and then it went unfortunately, downhill. Unfortunately, with the Heat games, it was like never going to be better than an arcade game. Yeah. You're never going to get a simulation like racing, e-racing series on. Okay, See, that, they that, tried, but it's just, it's terrible. And, much? you know, how are, how are you going to deal with the uh, scripted caution with five laps to go that and then yeah, everybody pits and you automatically lose 17 spots mm-hmm. in the pits in the last pit stop? How are you going to script that into an online e-race? Not everybody can lose 17 spots. <laughs> right. Um, See, the thing with with Heat 4 was it was the best of the Heat games, and it was going in the right direction. But at the same time, that's the best we're going to get. We're not going to get a simulation game for console. That's not going to happen. We need to to forget that. And I don't know why we're even expecting that. Simcade is the best that we're going to get. And that's okay, because it's console. If you want a real simulation, go to iRacing. Go to PC. You're not going to get a true 100% simulation game on console. It's not going to happen. They yeah. the consoles can't handle that. What was it Project Cars got pretty close, sort of, and then fell off a cliff with Project Cars Three. They made a third one. Yes, that shows how good the game was. I didn't even know they had a third one. Yeah, no, Project Cars Two, from what I heard, was very good and very very close to realistic. And then I want to say EA took over for project cars three and then it went downhill. Wow. That's shocker. Mm -hmm. Thanks EA. Right. I have heard though that NASCAR is finally fed up with motorsport games and they are looking to get out of that contract. Um, Interestingly enough, I have heard that two K is where they want to go. They make the NBA games, right? Mm-hmm. At least the graphics will be okay. <laughs> That'd probably be about it. Yeah. I don't know. And it would, and it would be riddled with microtransactions. I would be willing to deal with the microtransactions if we got a decent to play video game. They'll probably give you like five drivers to pick from, and then you've got to pay 30 bucks to unlock Chase Elliott. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and people do it. Well, I mean, if it works. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> That's a free way to make like a billion dollars just yeah. because, oh, Chase Elliott isn't racing this weekend. Now I can go play him on my console. Right. Base Suck game, him off you'll... In, a vi- in the virtual Dawsonville pool room. God. Right. Base I, I, I want to like Chase Elliott. Some of his fans drive me insane. Yeah. No. Base game, watch. Base game for a 2K game, you'd only be able to. You'd, you'd be able to play BJ McLeod, JJ Yaley, and Cody Ware, and everybody else you got to pay for. Uh, you can't play Cody Ware anymore. Oh yeah, true. He had um, he had a personal matter. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, what a statement! If you know the dumbass got arrested, why would you put out a statement that says he was addressing a personal matter? Because Being, he's not going to be he's not going to be at the race. They've got to say something. Being in prison is not a personal matter. Well. What else are you going to say? They've got He's in numbers. prison. They're not going to say that until it's until it's been released publicly. That's not how that works. I, I know it's not how it works. It's just kind of like, oh, I wonder who died in his family. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah. Just like, wow, I feel bad for him. No, I don't. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I mean, well, they've got to say something, because he's on the entry list and he's supposed to be there. Yeah. But he's not there. So they have to say something, because otherwise people are going to, well, his two fans are going to question why he's not there. <laughs> One of them's his dad. Anyway, yeah. I heard a depressing rumor about IndyCar today. Apparently, uh, Liber- Liberty Media, the people that own F1 now, are thinking about trying to go after IndyCar and make it an F1 it. American feeder series. However, you are going to have to pry IndyCar out of Roger Penske's <clears throat> cold, dead hands, because that's his baby now. There's no way he's giving that up. Roger Penske dies in six months under mysterious circumstances. I would cry. Yeah. The thing about Penske, I mean, say what you want about the guy. He loves the series, and he loves Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I think having a person in charge that has had as much of a connection to not only the track, but the series this much of his life is really what IndyCar needs right now. They need people that care about the series, the track, and the sport, and just take it from there. Maybe mm-hmm. get somebody with them that's a little bit younger and understands social media and advertising. But other than that, just run with it. Make it what you want it to be. Everybody else will love it. Yeah. Um, quickly, circling back to ARCA, because we never really talked about this, there are a couple talking points for both um, Main ARCA and ARCA West before we get into predictions this week. One, Jesse Love finally picked up his first win of the year at Talladega. I'm honestly surprised it took him three races into the year, being that he is um, probably the championship favorite and he is an Aventurini car. I'm surprised it took him this long to get to victory lane. Uh, but Vitturini dominance kind of made Talladega boring again outside of the shocker, the shenanigans in the middle of the race with everybody trying to pretend that they uh, were. 13 years old out there. Um, <laughs> Sean Hingarani wins his second West race in a row at Kern County. So congratulations to him. He's setting himself up as the uh, West championship favorite. And the new points leader in the Arkham Menard series, in the main Arkham Menard series, is now Mr. Frankie Muniz. What a world we live in. I agree with what Doc said. <laughs> right? <laughs> Doc's happy. Doc likes Frankie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about him before the season started, but if he told me that he would be the points leader at this point in the season, I'd have been like, okay. Right? I just, especially when you've got Jesse Love in the field. Three races into the year, Frankie Munez is the points leader over Jesse Love. Yeah, like, right? How? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, not at all. But that's the world we live in. We live in a simulation. Um, yeah. A motorsport game simulation, but a simulation. Oh, yeah. Nonetheless. <laughs> that's why everything's broken. That's yeah. why the world's going to hell, is because we're in a motorsport game simulation. Taxes are just motorsport games, microtransactions. That's right. <laughs> are you coming up here? Doc? Our official podcast mascot wanted to join us and stick his tail in my face. Oh, my goodness. Um, All right, on to predictions. We'll start off with IndyCar. That is Sunday at 3 p.m. from Barber Motorsport Park. Is that the correct name of the track? Yeah, Barber in in Alabama. Yeah. So, Tyler, who you got for this one? I got Pato Award. I picked this before I remembered that he won there last year. But I think the McLarens are going to be very good this year on road courses. Not as much street courses, but Pato Ward very quick there last year. He's been at the front most of the season this year, and I think they will take the first road course race this year. All right, who's your pick for Barber's weekend? I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden. I mean, he's been pretty dominant so far this season. I don't see any reason why he can't uh, win another race and, uh, head towards uh, another championship at this rate. Yeah, fair enough. He's been close to the front all season, and I think Barber's been a pretty good track for him. He's fairly comfortable there, but yeah, we'll see how he goes. I think it'll be probably New Garden Award battling it down to the end again. Probably. Seems like they're the Verstappen and Hamilton of 
of IndyCar right now. Dover this weekend, Cup and Xfinity. Xfinity's on Saturday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Tyler, who you got for Xfinity? For Xfinity, I'm going to go with Josh Berry. I think he's got something to prove after coming back to, well, I mean, he's racing the Xfinity Series all year, but coming back down to Xfinity after taking over Chase Elliott and Cup and he won this race last year, I think, which is a common theme of me picking this week. But he's their JRM cars are pretty fast on tracks like Dover, and I think they're going to do well this weekend. Yes, they are. But someone that uh, tends to be very fast at Dover every year in a JRM car is his teammate, Justin Allgaier, who I Dover tends to be pretty much his best track. So... I don't see any reason not to pick Allgaier to get his first win of the season, lock himself into the playoffs. Allgaier is going to finally go to victory lane this weekend onto the Cup Series, which will be Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're inching closer to noon. Noon. Uh, Tyler, who you got? I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. I think he's finally going to pull one off this year. He's had a pretty quiet season so far, but all of the Hendrick cars have been doing very well at Dover recently. And they had like a one through four sweep in the past couple of years. And I don't know. I think Alex Bowman's got a shot. I agree. Um, Before we forget, Arca East will also be this weekend on Friday at Dover as well if you have flow racing to watch that um, on to my pick for the cup race. I'm going to go with Martin tricks jr. Been very good at Dover in the past. Won his first race at Dover. And I think he goes back to victory lane at Dover this weekend at his home track and finally picks up that first win since 2021. I think the 19 car goes back to victory Ooh. lane this weekend. Forgot he didn't win last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he makes playoffs. That's right. He was fourth in regular season points and missed playoffs because he didn't have a win. Stupid. And Blaney was in the same boat. Blaney was second in regular season points without a win and just barely beat him out by like two points at Daytona. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yep. Because, you know, a super speedway race is a perfect race to have a cutoff. Mm-hmm. So stupid. Especially when they're going to drive them all into rain and turn one and wreck the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, NASCAR. But NASCAR yeah, ARCA breaks moments. That's right. But that's going to be about it for this week. So hope you all have a good weekend watching uh, Dover and Barber. F1 is also this weekend from Azerbaijan. So you can see that Sunday morning as well if you are so inclined. Or don't. Uh, <laughs> we probably know what's going to happen, but you know. We'll not hold it against anybody if they don't watch that race. Right. But that's going to do it for us. So thanks for hanging out. And uh, we will see you next week. Uh, same time, same place. This has been the Rookie Stars Podcast on Racing News Now. <laughs>